Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast that never makes any mistakes. Wait, whoa, no, no! <laughs> oh, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And uh, that was the um, uh, obvious ending to the Bills-Cardinals game. Um, 32-30 Arizona on uh, what really didn't feel like a loss to me. I got to say, I, I've spent most of the week just like my brain and emotional space have been like they didn't lose and I'm rolling with it. Like I'm not trying to convince myself that they lost, even though like factually they did. I am working under some alternate facts, classic American phrase. Um, and <laughs> you're planning on suing the Cardinals too. I, to, to clear that. I, I, look, we were so yeah. far ahead for so long and then suddenly we lost. I like that doesn't happen. I don't understand how that's that that's a thing um, that could happen. I've just yeah, been going to all the ESPN stories on it in in the comment section, typing fake news. Yeah, there should be a stop the count. Like there should have been a stop the count with 30 seconds left. Um, <laughs> but alas, uh, the the NFL, much like American democracy, plays until the clock. So here we go. Uh, look, the Cardinals won on the first hail mary touchdown game winning pass in five years. Um, it was. It was an exciting game. It was a fun game. Um, lots of emotions. And then a lot of emotions were turned sideways for people. Um, so, you know, I'm happy to go to to Paul first, who I know watched the game to the end with me. And then Scott, who had to watch it later, knowing the ending, but, you know, maybe not really knowing what the emotional um, whatchamahoosits would be. So, Paul, give us your give us your thoughts here and we'll see if we can um go from there right i'll I'll take for me this game falls into two categories the last play and then the larger themes of the the game on the last play that it's painful uh to give the history of it when Diggs caught the touchdown and i was wearing my headphones uh that connected the tv and my wife saw my cheering reaction and she looked over at me and the tv and i asked her oh could you tell by my reaction that it was good news she's like oh yeah i know your reactions uh, there was no doubt on the DeAndre Hopkins catch what my state of mind was in that I grabbed the headphones, threw them from my head onto my lap and said, what? What? Uh, like like Dave Chappelle. Before you move on, I would like to say that my I had told my wife that the Bills had taken the lead with 30 seconds left. And she went downstairs with the kids and came back up a few minutes later and looked at me and said, what's up? And I said they'd lost the game. And she 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 had a. a what the hell face on her so yeah. it's given that we're the two people that will have experienced it that way i felt <laughs> like it was important to to uh it's a, mention that there it's yes yes people okay. people should share their emotional experiences with us on twitter and facebook because that was it was an emotional but on the last play itself on the rational you you know i don't really know what else you could do differently jordan poyer you know i think jordan poyer bumped trey white out of the way a little bit when leaping for the ball but i mean that DeAndre Hopkins is probably the best wide receiver in the NFL. You have three guys surrounding him. He's taller. He has a better vertical than those three guys. He got the biggest hands of those three guys and he makes a crazy play and it sucks, but I can't really be hypercritical of the last play. The good there news. Were, from, sorry. Go there were some, because uh, there, there were some uh, reporters uh, trying to make hay out of that. And, you know, they have to do something. And I, I just feel like 
even amongst Bills fans, it was very like the the overwhelming response is like, what the fuck are you supposed to have done? Because like, you know, anyway, continue. Sorry. Right. I was going to, you know, to, to that point, when I've seen Hail Mary's completed, it's either like Aaron Rodgers against the Cardinals in the playoffs five years ago in that same mm-hmm. end zone where they don't get position on the guy and the Packers receiver just was in front of them and just had to make essentially an uncontested catch with people trying to bother him from behind or it's crazy bounces and deflections like like uh great Bengals receiver AJ Green uh against the the Ravens a few years ago on a Jaguars did that too this was just a straight up phenomenal catch and it sucks because I don't like DeAndre Hopkins he's kind of an arrogant guy Mm -hmm. but you know he has a right to be arrogant and and hats off to him (laughs) So the, the larger themes of the game, and I'll kind of focus this on the, the macro perspective, but just kind of the macro of that third, fourth quarter struggle that was such a good topic of discussion for us on Twitter and with uh, Bills and Beers uh, and with some of our other listeners and Bills and Beers other listeners uh, to going through that game. This is this is my thought, and I hope this is a good discussion starter. Um, for me, you know, why did it get to that point at the end of the game? And it comes back to, you know, Josh and the offense would not need to lead these fourth quarter comebacks all the time if the team could put forward an adequate third quarter performance. And because of the small sample size in the NFL, it can be difficult to establish what's a trend, what is simply happenstance. But we are now on a literally a nearly one in three quarter season trend of doing nothing in the third quarter and then squandering opportunities to put teams away. And I can't remember the last time a team pretty much threw in the towel against the Bills and put in their backup QB during the fourth quarter. Uh, And the Bills have played from some pretty terrible teams the last two seasons. They played the Jets four times. And yet I haven't been like, oh, this game's out of hand. Go to my wife, say, hey, you want to take a walk or something? Because this this game's in the books. Everything has come down to the finish to some degree. Um, It really boiled over for me on Sunday because it finally bit them. The Bills are the only playoff team from the past two seasons to have zero wins of more than 17 points. Uh, they fail to put teams away. They play with five every week and, and they got burned just like happened in the playoffs against the Texans. And, and this is not, you know, it's the NFL and it's tough to dominate a team control all four quarters. Sure. It can be, but you know who routinely does those things, Kansas city, Pittsburgh, Seattle, green Bay, and, and so on and so on. The great teams will occasionally just put a team away. Uh, there's a, a list of a ton of good teams who are able to make the fourth quarter a snoozer, and the Bills can never do that. They even let Seattle back in the game multiple times uh, the prior week. So, you know, Lars on Bills and Beers had noted you, you can't do nothing for five consecutive drives in the second half and expect that to not uh, bite you. And, and my last thought on that is, you know, if you ever read the book Good to Great, which is more of a corporate success book, you know, you learn that good can be the enemy of great. And the Bills are good. No one should argue that. This is the best team we've seen since the 90s. Uh, but they've not yet proven to me that they are great. And that's what we want. You know, we can't let 17 seasons of mediocrity lower that bar so that we're okay with the team never dominating an opponent as long as they win the game. You know, if we keep holding good as a standard, we blind ourselves to the fact that for our purposes as fans, you know, good is not good enough. You know, Cardinals are seemingly a good team. I get it. Uh, but they were 055 and one when trailing by 14 or more points, you know, in the last decade or whatever. And if the Bills don't rectify their third quarter malaise, uh, you know, then this window will close and we'll still be without a playoff win or Super Bowl appearance since the Clinton era. So 
those are my broader thoughts. I know there's a lot of micro stuff to discuss on the, the Tyler Bass game and some of the, the plays, but I've spoken enough. I focused on my one topic and I will, I will see the rest of my time. Let me, let me lay out the question specifically for Scott to make. So obviously Scott, give us your thoughts on the final play in the game. And then really the, the discussion question was whether the bills can quote, expect to win with, you know, having third quarters, such as as they did this year and that that includes a um i think it was like five or six drives in a row of interceptions and punts where they sort of were absolutely um you know waste wasted they were just kind of trash um so your your thoughts on the game and then if you want to speak to that question in specific that's kind of what we're talking yeah no i think Obviously, yeah. I mean, on the Paul in the last play, obviously, yeah. I mean, I I had seen what I had seen what had happened. I watched the first half live and then went to bed, and then the the I saw the 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 final score before I went into the office, and I was like, ah, boo. And then um, the and then I watched the, the the second half and the end, and I was kind of like, the the last play was sucked. Um, I mean, obviously, we did what we could. Um, I think you know, you have to kind of take that lineup. If you're the bills, like if you're in that game, like you'd almost, if it came down to Kyler Murray throwing a hail Mary pass yes. into Trey white, Poyer and Hyde, even with Hopkins going up, like you'd still be willing to take that. If the game came down to that, you'd still probably take that if you're the bills. So ultimately I can't get that bent out of shape about it. I also can't get bent out of the shape of the fact that we like deserve to win certainly because as we pointed out, there was plenty of things and this was really, I thought both teams and I thought it's such a, it was such a good matchup and a good game because I think the teams were so similar. Mm-hmm. Um, both teams, a lot of talent, um, you know, on, on all in, in multiple facets of the game, obviously Arizona's offense um, you know, I think better in the running game with maybe a better offensive line. The Bills having probably the better set of receivers, even if the 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 Cardinals may have had the best one on the field. Uh, the Bills defense with a, a, a pretty good secondary. The Cardinals defense with a pretty good secondary, but also some. You know, the Cardinals had a better run defense, but the Bills at least have a crappy run offense, evidently. Um, mm-hmm. or a, most. So, and and really, two young teams trying to figure out how to put all the pieces together for four quarters. And I think that's the thing that you could see the most, that there was a lot of inconsistencies. Both teams had periods. I mean, I, the bills would are obviously ruining the third quarter. I'm sure the Cardinals fans, if that, if that pass gets batted down, they're going to be like, yeah, we did fine on offense until the fourth quarter when we didn't score on three consecutive drives, you know, and, and, and they're going to be looking at that as the, as the issue. Um, I think the, in terms of the third quarter thing, so I struggle. I mean, I'll, I'll admit, like maybe, maybe this is just me. I have trouble tracing the third quarter issue to a, a a cause, and so maybe I'm just not smart enough to figure that cause out. And then maybe there is a cause, and neither can McDermott or anyone else on the staff. But it, it's tough for me to assume that, like. You know, I guess I guess they have been outscored. It just seems like I guess for me, I'm struggling with how much is it happenstance that they just happen to not score score during the third quarter versus they are there is something that is happening that is causing it. Because normally the the choice would be adjustments, right? Mm -hmm. It would be that McDermott 
and Dable and Fraser are getting out adjusted at halftime and they are not able to come up with the, if that was the case, then if they were consistently getting out adjusted, then I would expect this team to be worse. Mm-hmm. Like have fourth wins where they make the adjustments to then combat the, the third quarter things. Cause they're clearly able to make things worse in the fourth quarter. So, the the third quarter thing, I'm not saying it's false. I just don't know how to explain it. And if I can't explain it, I can't expect anyone to try and fix it or explain to you, the, the listener, why why it's happening or, or what it is. Because I just don't – I can't put my finger on it. I, I think – I don't know if I've decided fully what it is um, or what it isn't. But I just – I it's tough for me to have a really strong opinion other than I don't know, which is not – which is really good podcasting, right? <laughs> no, that's. I think that's. I think that that you know I, that's great because I think it elucidates the fact that I think some of the trouble that I'm going to have with it going forward is is a little bit of that, and I think even Paul and and the the people on Twitter would sort of say to you like, well, we can't exactly tell you what's happening. You're right. I think if it was if it came down to just adjustments, well, you know what? I've I've seen them make really make really good adjustments, and so it's it's. Yeah. Hard for me to accept that, like, they're just sort of getting out coached. I, I don't really think that's happening um, hardly at all, if at all. And, right. so, and I, I, not to interrupt, but I just want to jump in with some numbers based on what you two are alluding to, which is important. Third quarter last year, the Bills averaged 3.4 points a quarter. That was 26th in the NFL. And in 2020 so far, uh, they averaged 3.0 points in the third quarter, which is 28th in the NFL. Yeah, I think that the other issue I have with this, and obviously this is incumbent on me to look it up rather than somebody else, but like you find me the good offenses and are they struggling, you know, in a particular quarter every game or are they or is it like maybe it's not the same quarter every time, but they are struggling? I don't know. I, I think to me the, the 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 issue is more to say, you know, can the Bills expect to win having these third quarter struggles. And I think the empirical evidence, unfortunately says yes. Like to, and to your point, Frank, I just out of curiosity, looked up NFL team, fourth quarter points per game. Number one, Kansas city, 9.8 points. Number two, Buffalo, 9.3 yeah. points a game in the fourth quarter. Right. But I, I think to me, the bigger point is like they're 17 and nine in the last two years with these third quarter struggles. And so at some point, we can say, I don't understand how this is happening. It can't be real. And we're not used to the idea of how can a team fall apart in the third quarter and expect to win, except that they keep winning, you know, like, and, and sure, I agree that and I'm just going to take over here, Scott, and then we'll do another round on the game. Cause I think it's that interesting. Um, yeah. but, but they, you know, we can say like, and I'm very willing to point to the third quarter and say, like, yeah, I don't really want to blame the last play as them losing the game. I think Scott nails it. Like, how many times out of 100 is that play going to be successful, even with, De- excuse me, DeAndre Hopkins? You know, 10 times. Do you think 10 times is too many? It probably is. You know, that exact, especially Addison flushing him out of the pocket, running to the end zone. You know, it wasn't the original play. They throw up a prayer and the prayer gets answered. And, okay, you know, divine intervention, the Cardinals win. And out of 100 times, I'm thinking 10 is the max I'm willing to say it's actually going to happen. And you're going to want to have that 90% success rate 
um, versus versus something else. Now, is Paul right that, yeah, like they haven't blown out a team and just comfortably beat them and run it down? Um, sure. But they're also, again, 17 and nine in the last two regular seasons, having, you know, these third quarter fuck ups left and right. And so at some point, if they finish 10 and six again and they finish 10 and six ad infinitum with these third quarter terrible teams, well, then I'm sorry. The empirical evidence says, yes, you should expect to win despite them not having a good third quarter. And it doesn't almost matter why that Scott can't pin his finger on it um, because they are they are winning. And there's nothing in the offense. I would be more skeptical of it if they didn't have good first and fourth quarters and they didn't look like a competent team. They look like an incredibly good team against Arizona, but for a couple of, you know, they, look, I, I just feel like most teams that are not the New England Patriots have to punt every once in a while and are going to throw a few interceptions. Granted, like his interceptions were like, for some reason, like throwing to Devin Singletary. Like to me, like it is Josh Allen's right. It is their fault offensively and his fault offensively in the third quarter. That's where they lost the game. But if they but that's a different question than than. Is that some sort of systemic problem that's preventing them from winning football games? Because up until now, it really hasn't been. And I think if you look at um, and we have to go back to our listener comments. Um, I know that there was a comment on this. Somebody pointed out the same thing. If you look at their three losses this year to the Super Bowl, you know, defending champions and, you know, a miracle last play and a Tennessee Titans game that they got blown out in, but also like is the mother of all extenuating circumstances like with how it got played and when I don't know like this looks like a really good team nothing changes for me with with regards to um my projections or feelings about this game and I think that's a fair question to ask um both the wider audience and then I guess you guys here too if that if if DeAndre Hopkins doesn't come down with that catch and they're eight and two instead of seven and three right now. Is it justifiable that we're having a different tone and ecstatic about this game? Because that's a miracle play. And so I, I think the fair thing to question Paul on, because and, and I'll turn it over to Paul so he can answer, is say, like, okay, are you coming into this game going, wow, eight and two, what a great fourth quarter comeback? Or are you saying, man, they're really lucky to have won this football game because their third quarter is a nightmare. How do we keep winning these football games? I don't know, Paul, and I'm not trying to have a go at you, but I'm wondering if your tone is indifferent if they win this football game. And and, and Lars and everybody else's. I, I will say this. If my tone were indifferent after this game, then shame on me for sure. ignoring something I've brought up many, many times with games in the past. And in that exactly what you said, like, boy, they got a little lucky but they won in the end and that's all that matters i am sure if you go back to our pods from the last year and a half i have said that more mm -hmm. often than i should and if i'd said it this week after they'd lost uh i wish alternate universe paul which is unfortunately this universe paul <laughs> would come out and be like hey buddy this is what can happen when when you don't step up in the third quarter and this is going to bite the team and don't forget the texans <laughs> texans game last year was should always be in my mind when they struggle in the third quarter <clears throat> Okay, well, yeah, if you have any – I'm sorry, I was opening that up for you to also – Oh, sorry. What else do you want to talk about with this game? Because, like you said, it was much more than one play and one quarter. It was um, – you know what? I'll start it. 
I mean, yeah. God bless Cole Beasley and Stefan Diggs. I a lot of people are like, oh, it'll be get lost in in the annals of the game. Never. That Stefan Diggs route is an is a is a beautiful touchdown from him and Allen. Um, I think Cole Beasley. Um, we'll talk about this later. Cole Beasley is the solve that is saving the fact that there is no running game for this team. Um, I, I really feel like he is the difference in so many games, even though he doesn't have the 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 um, the uh, the the touchdown numbers. Maybe he's just really he's just a beautiful route runner. It's so much it's so much fun to watch this receiving core. And and then lastly, um, I mean Tyler Bass. Good for them for sticking with Tyler Bass. He looked great. I mean, some of his kicks were outstanding. I think he was three for four again. Um, but on the whole, just like, you know, there were excellent parts to all of this game, including the defense, which, you know, comes up with a few turnovers and some key stops. And, and and you know, on the whole, look, they played a tough game on the road. I, I, I thought they really acquitted themselves well uh, on the whole. Paul, do you do you have any anything else you want to talk about with the game? Yeah, Tyler Bass in the second quarter, three times kicked 50 plus yard field goals. The only kicker in history to do that three times, set up, uh, established a career long with what he did. Special teams did very well in that regard. They did have a bad 12 yard punt. They did have some coverage issues, so I don't want to overlook special teams. Also, was up and down. Defense gave up a ton of rushing yards. You can call me a hypocrite because I was more okay with that this week than I was against the Chiefs uh, because I felt the offense still had the game, you know, in, in control until they're totally crapping out in the in the third quarter as discussed. Uh, we'll discuss the running game a little later when the questions come up, but that is something I want to address. All in all, um, very happy with the effort on the last drive and in the first half and would love to see them extrapolate that over a... 60 minute game sometime. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think going back to my kind of earlier shots about the kind of spotty performance, I mean, that was the frustrating thing is, you know, last week for, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that Seattle's a better team, but certainly a more mature team in that they knew, you know, they're, they're certainly their, their, their defense is worse than, than the Cardinals, but they were, I don't think there was any, you know, the, the Seattle, like when they were getting beat, it was because they didn't have the players or they didn't have the injuries or they didn't have the schemes. Like that was what was going on. And the Bills were, I would say, playing a top to bottom better game. Now, yes, the defense let them score more points, but at the same time, the defense also got four turnovers and was doing the Bills defense was doing their jobs in this game. Um, the Bills defense, I feel like was more inconsistent. And there were series where they did not look focused and locked in. Um, and I would put that on the third quarter as well, because we've been talking about the offense having third quarter problems. The defense obviously had third quarter problems as well. Very significant ones. Um, you know, there was on some of those run options from Murray. It, it looked like they had never seen a run option before. Um, they had no idea what to do with it. And it was very obviously how that couldn't have been part of the of the of the how is that not part of your game prep that that's not there? Mm -hmm. And then to kind of forget it again with a very high priced defensive line, that that's the, that a bunch of things where uh, people that needed to be able to play better this whole game. Um, the, I don't know that the run defense is going to get better. As Paul pointed out, um, it's less of an issue when the offense is scoring points, because if your run defense is bad and your pass defense is good and you're scoring points, then you should be okay 
unless you have the, the kind of the Super Bowl 25 thing happen where they just are able to slow you down enough to where they kind of run out the run out the clock on you. Most of the time that should work, but it, it can have that kind of, um, you know, secondary. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it can, that is the only way that you can lose, basically, is for them to play the perfect game. Um, otherwise, you should be doing OK. I think. <clears throat> The problem is obviously that there are plenty of people who they they were not able to stop them from scoring in the past game as well, and that's that's been the issue. Um, obviously, they played a great game, and I think, um, yeah, I mean, Bass. I mean, that, that was the other thing is not to continue to pile on the offense when they still scored, you know, thirty points on the game, but the fact that we we wouldn't have even been in the game if it wasn't for those three. 50 yard plus field goals in which you can't really expect Bass to, I mean, maybe he makes one out of those three, but it would mm-hmm. be a completely different game if he doesn't make at least those two um, other ones. So I, I think it was, it was a good game for the bills. I agree, Frank. Like, I think, I think if you told me like, if you're going on the road to play a team that's above 500 at this point in the season, um, 50, 50 time, unless you're, the chiefs and the eventual super bowl champs or whatever, there's a good chance you're going to lose. And the fact that you're competitive and in the game, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with some of that is probably, um, balanced by the fact that this is again, that kind of, as we are going in, Frank was saying last week, it's an NFC West game. Doesn't really matter in the standings. You know, if this was the Steelers game and you lose mm-hmm. like this, it's probably going to hurt a little more. If it's the dolphins game in six weeks, Gosh. it's going to hurt a hell of a lot more. Yeah. Um, I think that that the importance of this game in that sense is a maybe biasing us towards, well, it was a good effort and we gave it a shot. You know, what are you going to do? So we'll see that 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 is I would I would caveat my uh, my kind of lack of alarm about this with that kind of uh, proviso. Yeah, that's I suppose that is fair. Um, there were some interesting stats, too, about how the Steelers haven't really played very many good teams, it seems. Um, but we, we can get to that when they play the Steelers. And I, and I for, on a personal note, am hopeful that the Dolphins game will not much matter in Week 17. There is plenty of time for that to be the case. But what there is no longer time for is discussion of this game. And so it is with that I commend us unto three stars and Scott, who has the arduous task of you know, obviously um, having to figure all that out. Or at least Darn. figuring out two and three in the honorable mentions, because, you know. Yeah. Jarring and de-starring. Well, I think there might be a surprise for first-star guys. Oh, okay. I'm saying it's not, there, 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 there was some, there was, I think the, the one seed might not be what you think it is. Oh, all right. Suspense. Sometimes things don't, don't go the way you think. Um, so we'll do, we'll do honorable mentions. Um, I will start with I'll start with um, the kind of the, the some of the bit players and the Bills secondary kind of collectively um, played a little bit better than I think one might expect. And hopefully hopefully they're listening and appreciate that, you know, I personally recognize it. <laughs> so Dane Jackson coming up uh, really no business playing anywhere as near as he's well as he's playing. Like, mm-hmm. is he? Perfect? No. But is he a seventh-round rookie <laughs> playing in the NFL in his rookie season? Yes. So the fact that he's not getting embarrassed routinely um, is a good thing. 
So Dane Jackson, um, I also throw Teron Johnson a bone. He's obviously had some bad games. I think this is one of his better games. Obviously had a sack, had another tackle for a loss. Um, we'll do them. Um, you know, it's tough because you want to give like honorable mentions to like, I was going to say one thing that I, I, I don't know if I said in the game, but Hyde and Poyer are so critical to everything we do on defense mm-hmm. right now because of the problems that we have at the other cornerback position and the inconsistencies that we've had at linebacker. The whole back seven is so messed up, except for the fact that those two guys are so solid. Obviously, you know, it's tough for Poyer to kind of sneak in, even with the, the, the Johnny on the spot interception of, of Fitzgerald on the, on the bounce, but the just given the, the kind of, if you were going to blame that Hail Mary on someone, it would almost kind of have to be him for kind of knocking Trey out of the way when Trey arguably had the better shot at it. But it's, I'm not going to, I, I, I say it because I know that they are not listening and mm-hmm. none of my really matter. Um, of course so they have just, a bye week. They have a bye week now. So they're probably like, Hey, let's find some new podcasts to listen to and just relax <laughs> and pull out. Yeah, exactly. They were listening in. They were going to call us and like, hey, we'd love to come on the pod. And then they get to this one and they're like, well, so much for that. Um, yeah. But anyway, so Poyer gets an honorable mention. Um, I will also give on the Cardinals, I will give Kenyon Drake an honorable mention um, because we couldn't tackle him. Um, Chase Edmonds, an honorable mention because, again, we couldn't tackle him. Um, I will give, um, I think that was... I think that hit everyone that I was going to do. Yes. So I will say, no, there's, there is one more and I will give it to um, Patrick Peterson who had one really one interception dropped two other interceptions. <laughs> yes. So say that he played a good game because he had the interception you could also say that Josh Allen, like it wouldn't have even been a close game if Peterson picks those two balls off and that, you know, he's certainly a very good player, but maybe not his best game in the sense that he had an opportunity to basically take the bills out of it on some level. Um, so he gets your uh, last and kind of closest. He was the one that's kind of closest as you could hear me kind of debating who was going to get it or not. Um, so your actual third star goes to Cole Beasley who gets the uh, gets the nice day at the office of 11 catches, 109 yards, and touchdown. Um, obviously, Diggs had a nice afternoon as well. Um, obviously, had a really nice, again, Frank pointed out, another great touchdown, but I, I couldn't agree with more with what Frank was saying, that Beasley is the guy when Allen remembers, it's almost like he forgets to look for yeah. Beasley sometime. But on third downs, he's always open. It's always there. I'd say, and it, I don't say it's always a catch, but it is 99% of the time a catch. He's and not, he is, he, he's not always finishing drives, but Lord help me if he's not basically every important drive, like making it happen. Like he's keeping every drive alive, which is just a remarkable thing. Yeah. It 100% which we can also is. say about Cole Beasley is the star choice. That third down catch was just, that was absurd. Oh. That one-handed flying out of bounds thing you did. Mm-hmm. That is nuts. Yeah, not should not. I mean, like, no way you can expect a normal person to make that on a regular basis. And yeah, he is. I'm yeah. So he gets he gets the third star that puts him over the line there. Um, and your second star goes to DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Seven catches for 127 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, had a good catch at the end of the game. So there's that. First star 
Kyler Murray. Oh. 22 of 30, 247, 245 yards, a touchdown. Did have the interception, really wasn't his fault. But then you also have the 11 carries for 61 yards and two touchdowns. So, you know, I think this, this to me points to more of if you agree with the contention that the game was more than just a Hail Mary pass and went through, then by definition, DeAndre Hopkins should probably not really be the yeah. first star because Kyler Murray was the one for the most part. He, he certainly was frustrated in the first half, but um, in general was the, was the star that stir, straw that stirred the drink for it. the Cardinals and got him to 32 points. Obviously he got him down the field. The other you know, the first three plays of that four play drive that ended the game, um, which were all pretty much on him to remain cool, not not lose his stuff, not take a sack, um, all those things. You know, that's that's not easy to do either. Um, and then obviously he puts it in the right spot for where, you know, really functionally his guy had the best chance at getting it. Um, yeah. the, the best way that that could have gone was for him to throw that ball the way he did. Um, and put it his guy in a chance to to get it, and so that's it. And those are your three stars. He he was great. And by saying what I'm about to say, I'm not trying to take away from that. What I am going to say though is, I didn't feel like he overwhelmed the football game in in the way that I think that like against the Dolphins he almost did until the end. And I he just I was much more worried about Kyler Murray taking over the football game compared to what he actually ended up doing. So I felt like they had a good good game plan, and they but they they won the game, and so he is the first star. So yeah, yeah they had a, the Bills had a good game plan for him the way the same way they had a good game plan against Russell Wilson, and he still mm-hmm. put up four points. You know, that, right, that, that's the difference. I mean, sure, some you can have a good plan. We had a decent game plan against Mahomes. Yeah, and he only twenty eight or whatever that whatever the score was. So you know that that's that's just the way the NFL is now. So it is especially this year. Um, so cornerback vid 19. Yes. Thank you, Paul. Uh, one of the things that we didn't talk about with this game is the fact that, um, at least we should have was like basically on Saturday, two thirds of the remaining, not even two thirds of the original, but two thirds of the remaining, uh, defensive backs were eliminated because Josh Norman, uh, Levi I'm, Wallace. I'm sorry. I'm going to say this better. Josh Norman, not because of Josh Norman. Josh Norman unfortunately contracted COVID-19. And because other people were around him, they all got put on the watch list. And so that includes Levi Wallace. It was Tyler Knox and somebody else. Tyler Croft, actually. Uh, But I like Tyler Knox because really, how have they distinguished themselves from each other this year? Um, And yeah, Dean Marlowe, I think the same. Dean Marlowe. Right. Hero of hero of the Seattle game. Yep. Um, Dean Marlowe and the game before, like who, a guy who's sort of come on. Um, also, AJ Klein, again on the stat sheet with a couple of nice plays, not honorable mention worthy, but also not terrible. So good for him. Um, but yeah, you know, Bills, and I haven't heard much about it this week, probably because it's a bye week and there's no rush to find out who's feeling what and how. Um, but obviously, the Bills get their 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 latest COVID diagnosis uh in season and it it takes um it takes a lot of key players away uh by all accounts they didn't change their game plan from what i understand between reporters and that basically you know obviously they can't tell you what the game plan is before but it seems that the idea stayed the same 
even though they they brought all these next man up people in. Um, but, you know, Paul, you wrote this down in the agenda. What, what did you want to say about any of this here? I think we the NFL, this it's a very pertinent topic. The NFL sent out a new memo today to teams uh, essentially strengthening the covid protocols starting on Saturday, giving new rules and regulations about the meetings that need to be held remotely, the mask wearing that's going to need to take place, warning teams that are going on bye weeks, and just being in, you know, complete honesty here. Uh, we had Dawson Knox earlier this year, I think Duke Williams and a couple other guys in the preseason, now Josh Norman. This will not be the last, is what I'm going to say. There will be more bills. In fact, mm-hmm. at 3.59 p.m. today, in Rappaport noted, this is wild, nearly the entire Raiders starting defense is going on the COVID-19 list oh because God. of high-risk close contacts. Oh my God. So they have to continue to test negatively before the game in order to uh, play on Sunday. So we are, we've, we've in recent weeks, we've barely mentioned COVID uh, on the pod, we talk about it nonstop in day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. At least it's topic of conversation with my parents, with my wife, and yeah. that's pretty much it as far as people I talk to. Uh, but this is about to get worse, and we have to brace ourselves for the possibility that there could be a week 18, that the Bills are going to lose someone even more high-profile. As Frank notes, it's a big deal, and you lose two-thirds of your remaining secondary, but they could lose even worse than that. Look at the Raiders that I just mentioned Mm -hmm. and and things that can happen. So I was really kind of wanted to flag that we haven't discussed uh, COVID and the impact on the NFL that much because except for the Titans postponement and then this most recent game with missing Norman and Wallace, it hasn't really had a direct impact on the Bills, but I think we're going to start to see it more, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As a as a as a University of Wisconsin uh, Badgers fan, I can speak with great great honesty that there is a very real COVID problem that does affect football teams. That obviously affected my my uh, my team at least two weeks in a row. Though they were able to 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 get everybody most everybody healthy and uh, get back on the field last weekend and get a win against Michigan um, on Wisconsin. But yeah, I mean, I think no, I mean, I think the the, I obviously I think that I think that's one of the things that will be different about this season depending on how it ends obviously I think they have done a really good job so far of having the team as prepared as they have um, to to go week to week now that said they still like you know they had as Frank pointed out yeah they had a lot of extenuating circumstances for the Titans game but they clearly were not prepared like they didn't really get right. off the bus and you can say there's a lot of reasons for that but if we're talking about home field at the end of the season, the, the, it, the, all the losses count the same on some level, and it's not ideal. And then you had another one this week where, yeah, the, the secondary was hanging in there for the game, but they also didn't quite get it done either. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not going to like blame the coaches tremendously, but those are the those are the extenuating circumstances that all of the teams in the NFL have to kind of deal with this season. Now, yes, that burden will fall unevenly. And some teams will have their whole starting defense taken out one week, and some teams may not have anything remotely that bad. But at the same time, um, all the coaches needed to be preparing for it because they knew it was going to happen or they could have happened. And so, you know, if this, I'm not, 
it's, it's a very difficult situation. And the most important thing is to have everyone healthy. So as long as everyone's healthy, like I'm not going to kill anyone of the coaches and they're not, they're making everyone following the rules. They're setting the standards. Those are the most important things. But then when you get to the gameplay, if it's consistently impacting the team negatively more than it's impacting other teams, I'm not ready to make that case yet, but I could see that being an issue where you'd have to start thinking about the coaching staff. Now, obviously in the future, I'm not sure that's going to be, hopefully next year, this will all be a bad memory. You won't have to worry about it as much, but it is mm-hmm. something that I, I don't think you can, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a hypothesis that, that one can ponder as the weeks stretch on here. Yeah, I think that is all um, fair. And, uh, you know, look, it's it's part of the challenge this year is dealing with COVID. Uh, let's move on to the the outlook now. Bills are seven and three. They played 10 games. They are finally at their bye week, which um, the latest it can be the latest yeah, it can great. be. And and also, I, I don't know. I'm sort of thankful it wasn't thrown off by COVID. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we're not like having to play this week instead of another week or something maybe that would have worked out better i don't know i think it's a good week if you have a secondary and a couple of guys that managed to fall on the covid list um you know it's a good week for everybody to go home you know basically get a week and a half to rest um and come back to kind of play just the final six games of the season um so you know they they did the hard work up front but you know they the bills obviously expect to be a playoff team if not an afc east champion um and so maybe having the late buy and the late break will 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 uh, will benefit them. But we should talk about the the rest of the season as I pull up the Buffalo Bills schedule. Um, obviously, they come out against the Chargers and then the uh, that's not obvious, because if it was obvious, I would just know they come out <laughs> against. Look, they, here's the remaining six games, right? Chargers, Niners, Pittsburgh, Denver, New England, Miami. I will start the conversation because I rarely do, and I'm going to put myself out there. Um, I think the Bills could go 6-0. and I don't think they will. I don't think there's a team on that list they can't beat. I think they can beat Pitts. I think the one thing that I love about the first 10 games of this season is even though there was some luck and there was some this and there was some that, they weren't out of any game other than Tennessee. And I swear, I look at Tennessee and I say that was a fluke. every indication about Tennessee is it's a fluke. Tennessee, since that game, hasn't looked nearly as polished. You know, the Bills looked especially unpolished in that game. You know, and then I look at Arizona, I look at Kansas City, and I'm like, those are games that they obviously could have won. Um, I look at the, you know, who the teams the Bills have beat, including Miami now and the Rams. Like, they've beaten some good teams, and the Chargers are not a good team. San Francisco appears to be on the decline. Denver is not a great team. They've beaten New England once. And then Pittsburgh and Miami are probably the two best teams left on the schedule. And if we could talk about Bills and Beers, well, they had a nice tweet about, you know, who who they had beaten. And basically the Steelers have beaten the Giants, Denver, Houston, Philly, Cleveland, Dallas. Stop me when I get to a good team. Cincinnati, Jacksonville, and Washington. So, yeah. Didn't they beat Baltimore, too? Yeah, they beat Baltimore. So that would as be well. the one good team they beat. And Cleveland and, is up and, and down. And Baltimore's not like they they've lost some other games too. It's not like Baltimore is ten and two with two losses to Pittsburgh. You know, like so and I'm not saying Pittsburgh's not good. I'm just saying like 
I, I don't know if there's a big difference between Pittsburgh's record and Buffalo's record at this point. Um, personally, you know, I, I'm kind of saying maybe if they had to play Seattle and Kansas City and, you know, whatever, it, it'd be a They're little bit different. Difficult games. We are two and three in ours. Or three. Yeah. Uh, oh, OK. Which OK. So here are the games, right? Jets, not difficult. Miami, yes or no, difficult. I'd say six and three team. Yeah. Okay. Rams. Yes. Difficult. Las Vegas. Difficult. Six and three also beat the Chiefs. That's three wins. Tennessee and Kansas City are losses three and two. New England. I wouldn't say difficult yet, but they're going to I'm going to I'm going to pat myself on the back that after we beat them and they went two and five. I said they're probably still going to be at least 500 team. And lo and behold, they just have won two in a row, including knocking off Baltimore. So okay, maybe not Seattle. Difficult. Yeah, difficult. So difficult. four wins in Arizona, if we call them a good team, that's four and three. Five and yeah. three if you want to include New England. But I, I don't think so. But four and three, like they've definitely had to play. All three of their losses against what you would call good to difficult teams, you know, and including four wins against good teams. So... No, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying oh, we have anything I, I, to be. No, no, I'm but sorry. I, I was just elucidating the whole schedule. That's all. I apologize yeah, for uh, having a if toe. You're, if, you're, if you're lining them up, yes, that I think clearly that's that's the thing that you would hope the Bills go into this uh, eventual Steelers game is as as a team that's more tested and that knows how to play difficult games. But then I'd also say, like, is that really true though? Like, do we feel like we know how to play difficult games? Like. I'm not sure based on Sunday's performance that we do. I think it's we, we we are capable of playing really well in those games, and we're also capable of laying eggs, and we're also capable of playing inconsistently. So we just don't know how they're going to play against. We certainly can beat the Steelers. I have no doubt about that. I think I think as I said, I think last week, I think the Seattle game proved that they can play and beat anybody in the league. It's just a question of them doing it. And I think that's the difference to a certain extent between yes. them and the Steelers is that the Steelers, while I, I haven't watched them terribly close, I think they are the more like the Seahawks in the sense that they are a mature team that has that knows how to win, that knows how to effectively kind of consistently put forth the best performance to mind their P's and Q's to, to do all the little things that it takes to, to kind of win every week and win, you know, not have those slacking third quarters where you let a team back in that maybe didn't deserve it. And then they steal one from you at the end. Um, yeah, sure. They're, they're, they're not less tested. And if they played a similar schedule, maybe they'd have some losses as well, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be an easy game either. I think it'll be, obviously we will have another couple weeks to talk about the Steelers game, but I think it's, it'll be, an interesting lineup. Yeah, I don't have too much to, to add on that. My views, uh, just to piggyback on what Frank had said initially, I think all of these are winnable games. They'll be favored, certainly, against the Chargers. I would guess the 49ers. I would guess the Broncos. And I would even say probably Miami. So there's four out of six you're going to be favored in. And then you have a Patriots game, a team that you've already beaten once, and we already went in depth on the Steelers. So... As much as I'd prefer to be eight and two right now, DeAndre Hopkins, um, I they're not in a bad spot, and I think they've gone through the most gauntlety part of their schedule, especially with the 49ers no longer looking as difficult as they were in say September. Yeah, I think if the if the Niners were still what everybody thought they would be without the injuries, 
maybe it's you know that one game is makes it a little more difficult looking but I don't know there's nothing on the schedule that scares me there's nothing that really makes me think they can't finish out at 11 and 5 or 10 and 6 or really 12 I mean I'm I'm thinking 12 and 4 and 13 and 3 I really am I'm like I, I and if they don't get there we can have some talks about what happened but you know going 500 and getting to 10 and 6 is absolutely you know um I only say that because that was last year's win total, not because that really means anything. But, um, uh, you know, last year's win total needs to be a given at this point with the remainder of the schedule and where they started. Um, let's let's move on, though, because uh, we have many listener thoughts and questions. Um, George Hutchinson, who replied specifically to me, and if you could pull yep. up the Bills stuff. Um, yep. But, I, you know, Paul had said, like, the Bills got the loss they deserved. And I on Twitter, you know. Uh, had said, you know, I disagree with this and we'll talk about it on the pod. Um, George said, you know, now that I've slept on it and I don't I don't feel that bad. We had a pretty good game plan for the cards. And if we had been a bit more ruthless during often uh, offense earlier in the game, I'm looking at you third quarter. We had been home and hosed, uh, which leads me to ask, looking back, I think all the changes and confusion with the Titans and the need for the Bills to prep both the Titans and Chiefs at the same time led us to losing those games. We plan really well for most teams. What do you guys think of our games after the bye, which we did discuss some of that? In fact, here we go. I've put down my work and I've had a think. To have a think <laughs> is such a British thing, George. <laughs> the rest of us think about it. You had a think. Very good, boy. <laughs> there you go, my lad. Uh, I think the Bills can. He is Welsh, play. remember. So, you know. He always Welsh. Borada, George. Borada. Um as I am. So there you go. I think the Bills can game plan for anyone. We nipped Murray in the bud last night and would have won, even though the offense wasn't at its best. If it hadn't been for a one in a hundred play at the death. Um, I also think we had the measure of the chiefs when we played them and the Titans are not as good as they are made out to be. If we hadn't had to put up with all the nonsense caused by COVID, I reckon we beat one, if not both of those teams. Tin at, had, the at the death, right? Like Tim hat firmly on uh, George. Uh, I told George, I'm, I'm glad he's on. He, I'm glad he's with me now. I'm glad George <laughs> is on my mindset of like, basically this is a 10 and 0 team with some accidents. Um, not Although really. you did say welcome to the good place. I'm kind of like, uh, do you mean like the season one good place? No, like the real good place. I think it's the good the, place. Yeah, but yeah, not the, I'm not Michael welcoming into the good place. I'm <laughs> Eleanor at the end. I'll welcome him. Into no, the don't tell place. me. No, I, 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 I haven't watched season four. <laughs> Come on, man. It's been out for months now. Watch it. I know. Now Halloween is over, so I got to jump back on it now that I'm not in scary movie mode. What I gave you was not an actual real spoiler, so don't worry. Okay. Um, Okay. Anyway, um, George's thoughts, though. George is very optimistic about the team, and I am glad that it is not just, you know, pod snappery on my part that um, I feel good about the Bills. Yes, no. Go ahead, Scott. No, I think he, he. I think it is a natural thing to be disgusted with how that game ended. To have had yeah. to, to lose on that kind of a play, it is it is a gut punch. But yes, I think in the in the cold light of day, I think most Bills fans should should feel confident. And I think I think that's borne out in some of the kind of the more fan kind of things that I've seen this week. That you know people are bummed, but it's not. I don't think anyone was like you can't really again you can't really be put out that they went to go play a tough team on the road and lost on a one in a million play. Like that's ultimately just not something that's going to be, if you're upset about that, then your standards are probably, you, 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 I don't know how you've survived the last 
however long you've been a Bills fan. So, you know, it's great is I, uh, I had originally said like, oh, I mean, come on, 10 out of 100 tops. And then George is like, I mean, that's a one out of 100 play. And now now Scott's it like, that's one in a million. It's, <laughs> that's one Which, in a Google. Yeah, well, it's obviously just expressionism, but I thought it was funny how it just keeps getting more and more improbable every time. Uh, what do we have for other questions, though? Yeah, Mark uh, Cavaretti jumped in with the first question on Sunday, uh, and he said, and this I think is a good question, I'm going to pose this question again now that it's later in the season. Trey doing what he should to deserve that new contract? I hate to say it all about one play, but when you're the number one corner, shouldn't you prevent that one play? Mm, that is, in my mind, unduly harsh, and I think – Trey is prejudiced a bit by the fact that um, people aren't throwing at him. And so his name is not going to get called as much as you'd like. But the sh- long and short of Trey White is, you know, you're only he's like the lineman now. You're only going to notice him when he does something awful because he's not going to be given many opportunities to do something great. And. Yeah, cornerback, if, if you're a number one cornerback, you're a lockdown cornerback. You're like a long snapper. We just yeah. expect to never notice you. I think that exactly right. And I think that there's some some, uh, you know, unfairness there and, you know, wants to make the play. Sure. I, I again, I, I look at that play and I can't really identify very much that anybody has done wrong uh, up to and including even the stuff about bumping into one guy or the other. I mean, that's just like. That's just part of the game. Like, you know, you're running and you're running full speed. You you can't take all of those dimensions in at once. It's just too much. So I have no problem with uh, Trey White's play, and I'm certainly not going to blame him for the final touchdown in Arizona myself. No, I, I don't think I'd be comfortable with that either. I mean, I think that is ultimately the challenge of – I mean, this is this is ultimately the challenge and why football is entertaining to watch. Like, if you just – if you just played, if it was all based on who is the best player and how the best money worked, then it wouldn't really be an inter- it'd be a fantasy football league. You know, it would just mm-hmm. be mathematics and 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 roster building. It wouldn't be any actual dynamism, dynamism and, and changes in the game. So, you know, if it was just as easy as the best corner always wins, then you know, unless he's playing the best wide receiver in the league, and then mm-hmm. and the best wide receiver. So it's it's it, it it doesn't work like that, and that's why we enjoy the game. I think on some level. Yep. Yeah. I don't. I won't go into the question because I generally agree with you guys. I will give uh, Mark the the caveat though that hey, it is just year one. We'll see if he can keep this play up. You know, through yeah. the subsequent years. All right. Moving on to our buddy Grant Grantsmanship. Grant. Uh, Grant P. Hewitt. Price Hewitt. Uh, I have a question. Is I'm trying to make sure my computer doesn't die. Uh, is the absence of consistent running offense hurting the Bills? Pass-heavy offense tickles me pink, but without the run threat, I fear that Buffalo aren't going to keep opposing D honest. I guess I can answer that first just because I wrote down my answer, and I might as well just keep going. Uh, I, I agree, Grant. Uh, it's, it's easier to be a pass-heavy team and succeed in today's NFL than a run-heavy team, for sure. Uh, to me, that's pretty much indisputable. However, literally every successful NFL team that I can think of has demonstrated that put in position where running the ball is needed to win you a game, uh, they can do it. See Kansas City against Buffalo and other of their opponents, 
you know, being pass heavy doesn't mean you never run. It means you pick up the majority of your yards in the air. Um, you know, Josh had two INTs on Sunday, nearly had two others. The more you throw, the greater the risk. Um, also, he had seven sacks against Seattle. Let's say Josh doesn't land awkwardly on his left shoulder again and gets put out of action. So you have that um, that element. So I, I think it's very difficult to win with the entire lack of a rushing attack that the Bills have. doesn't mean I think I want them to go back to the McCoy days of run heavy. I love the pass heavy approach and it works for them but they got to start running the ball with some consistency at some point. Absolutely not. Excellent. I knew you Ab- disagreed on this. I'm glad you're absolutely huh. not. They're fifth in scoring. They're, they're fifth in scoring. Okay. They're seventh in yards per play. And guess who has the most first downs in the league? Buffalo. I'm, yeah. I was going to say, I'm guessing not, you know, San Diego, uh, San Diego. Cause they don't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Would it be nice if the run game was a little better? Sure. Is it affecting the offense or there's some need to keep the offense honest? Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. They're they're scoring. They're scoring a lot. It's not a problem about scoring. It's not a problem, period, really. I think that, again, it's over. It's over thought because it's one. They lost to the Super Bowl champions. They had an absolute brain fart of a fucking game, and they lost on a miracle. There's nothing wrong. I wouldn't change a thing about this team. I think this team is fine. I think this team is great. I I do. I think this team is great, and I think they're going to get better as they get healthier and as they get closer to the playoffs. I think that this team is fine, and I really wouldn't ch- Especially, and also, like, when they really wanted to, when they really wanted to run the football, they could. They just don't always choose to do that. When they played um, New England in the ridiculous game, you know, they they uh, with the wind, they were fine. That one? Yeah, that one. Go ahead. All right, I'm done now. <laughs> no, I, no I, I mean, I think we knew how that was going to play out. I mean, I think, and, and, and my rejoinder is, as I think I've said in the past, that it is, it is, you know, ultimately in, in a, the, the bills should be trying to maximize the amount of yards and points that they score. And I think that you, if you were going to, uh, if you figured out whatever the maximum efficiency play for the bills is, is it almost certainly a pass? Yes. But if you ran the exact same play or the same type of play, then everyone would know what that play is that you're going to run. And then they would figure out a way to stop it. So the point of it is, is that you have to have other plays and other pieces of your offense work well so that it keeps the opposing defenses, which are coordinated by living, breathing humans who understand what you're trying to do and are trying to counteract how you do it. Um, That is the challenge of the game. And so. I take the point that certainly the Bills offense is playing well. There, there's, there's no doubt that statistically speaking, they're playing well, um, that they're winning games, but obviously they're not winning all the games. They're not scoring the most points in the league. And so until they are scoring all the points on all the drives, by definition, the offense could be better. Now, how do we get better? I think having a run game would make the offense better. I think we are at maximum efficiency on some level with the personnel that we have in terms of how well we are passing the ball. I don't know that with short of Josh Allen, just continuing to mature 
and maybe the line doing a slightly better job pass protecting. Um, there's not that much better that they can get on offense passing the ball. So by definition, the only way that you can continue to improve the offense is to improve the run. And by improving the run, it will keep the defense honest. It will allow you to pick up yards in ways that do not put as much pressure on the, on the, on, on the, um, on the receivers and the pass game to play effectively. So I have no trouble saying, I don't think that Frank's wrong in the sense that the offense is playing well. I just think that, Sure. Could it be better if it had a run game that was better? Yeah. And I think Frank would admit that as well. He sort of admitted as such. Mm. He did say it. He did say it. He said, would it be nice if it was better? He said yes. Fake news. All right. Last question from Brian. Uh, I don't have much more to add to what I said. I'm moving right along because we we are about to fall in the weeds. I can sense it. All right. Uh, I don't have much more to add to what I said on Sunday. It was a variable performance. Often we seemed to be the lesser team, but up until the very end, we always seemed to do something to keep ourselves in the game. I'm disappointed, but not downhearted. Ultimately, a great player literally rose above all others to in the deciding moment, and the football fan in me was equally thrilled, and as the Bills fan, equally was gutted. One question. How many of you kind of knew when the ball was thrown that it was going to end badly? That is a good fatalistic question, and I will jump in and note I won't say I know it was going to end badly, but when he threw it up and I saw, first of all, when he got the, avoid the sack and got the ball off, I'm like, huh? and then I saw the ball head toward the end zone. Uh, I'm like, oh boy, now anything can happen. And then is I saw the ball fall into the pile. I'm like, oh, this, this might not be good. So I didn't have a fatalistic sense that it was going to end badly, but with each passing, uh, phase of that play i got a little more disheartened i honestly had the exact opposite (laughs) reaction and i'm not having it go i'm not gonna chastise you for having that feeling i i swear i watched that play and i go okay here we go and this is where he throws it okay he got it away got it away good for him and i guess this is where you know and i just was like even when it hits the pile of guys and it hits DeAndre Hopkins in the hands. I go, this is where somebody knocks it away or he drops it. And I just was like, not at all concerned until I didn't see the ball come out. (laughs) And even then I was just like, Oh my God, I, I, it was really at the, for the first time as a bills fan, I didn't worry about it. And I just was like, this isn't going to happen. And it did. And if it happened again, maybe I'd get a little butt clenchy. I don't know. But like, to me, it was just, it was, it was like so improbable that it wasn't going to happen. And I am, and I'm happy that I feel a little, um, I didn't feel like they were going to build it at all. I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm happy that my, my, um, baseline for what the, what I expect of the bills is no longer for the worst thing to happen. My, my baseline was here is Arizona with a latch stitch effort and it's not going to, it's not going to happen. And it did, but like, I don't know. I still wouldn't really expect it to. Scott's quiet on the issue. You there, Scott? Yeah, I'm here. I, you I just, well, you I also didn't get to watch it. Yeah. Right. That's true. You didn't see it live. So you knew kind of how yeah. it went. How it was going to go. All right. Well, that's good. That, so 
Is that it for listener questions? That's it for listener questions. Well, we thank our listeners for following us, MNY Bills, and on Facebook.com, BBillsMNY. But we have This Day in Bills uh, headlines to go through. And then um, do we want to do the Chargers preview, or do we want to save that in case we accidentally have to do another podcast this week? I I suppose we could reassess after – Right, if there's mass COVIDity or something. I feared we would because, one, we usually take a bye week in the week leading up to or after the bye. And uh, so I figured we'd be off next week. And also with Thanksgiving happening, that was yep. the one time we ever missed a pod during a game week was on Thanksgiving week. Okay. So I figured we'd play it safe, but we don't have to. We can always just give our Well, we're at an hour four now. We're at like an hour now. So yeah. I, but let's do this day in Bill's headlines, see where we end up. And the worst is... We'll put out a quick pod just talking about the Chargers game next week if we have to. All right. Sounds good. All right. So it is November 18th. Uh, so we're going to go back to 2019. This is going to be a numerical one. And with all of our discussion of the offense, this will be uh, a plus. So 2019, Josh Allen rebounds in a big way with his best game of 2019. This was an article covering the win the day before of the Dolphins. Allen now has blank touchdowns and blank interceptions on the season or blank yards. So within three touchdowns, within two interceptions, and within 300, yeah, too easy, 250 yards. What are these totals? Through, and it was also through 10 games last year. And the Bills were also seven and three. Through 10 um, games, Allen had thrown for 2,000 yards. All right, so Scott has 2,000 yards. Any thoughts on the touchdowns and interceptions? Uh, he had had that one three-pick game. He didn't start great. Then he kind of cleaned it up. So I'll say six interceptions and 13 touchdowns. All right, Frank, your picks. Um. I feel I'm trying to remember because it was like the Steelers game was in the back half Mm -hmm. and I obviously didn't have a 300 yard game, you know, so I know he finished about I know he's basically I know like his his finishing numbers, basically, because he's basically there now where he finished last year. He's about 200 yards off. So I'm going to say. I'm going to say he had like 17 or 1800. I'm going to say 1800 yards and I'll say 12 touchdowns and I'll say six interceptions. All right. Well, Frank, you got two out of three within the guidelines I gave. And Scott, you got three out of three in the guidelines. He had 2,165 yards. That's the only one where Frank missed. He had exactly 13 touchdowns. Well done, Scott. And he had seven interceptions, and you both guessed six. So, all right, not bad. (laughs) All right, 2017. This is kind of a tribute to Mitch Morris. We didn't talk about the potential benching. I have a feeling we'll talk more about that uh, on the next pod once we see what happens after the Chargers game. Uh, Bill's organization won't do what it takes to end drought, says blank. Los Angeles Chargers offensive lineman Blank will watch his former team and current team face off in week 11. 
Blank, a former fourth-round pick of the Bills, is currently on the Chargers' reserve non-football injury list. Although he won't be playing Sunday, it's clear that Blank feels his current team is the clear favorite after the Bills benched Tyrod Taylor. This is a 2011 Clemson grad. He spent four seasons with the Bills, three with the Chargers, 41 games with Buffalo, 15 starts. By the time he was interviewed for the Tyrod, he actually already played his uh, last NFL game. He never really recovered from that injury and hasn't played since. Uh, I can only think of Sammy Watkins, who definitely did not play for the Chargers, even though he played for Clemson. Right. And we're looking and then, at the the first our first three answers on on the our next three answers are all offensive linemen. So that'll be a an in advance hint. Bills Bills Lyman goes to the Chargers twenty eleven out of Clemson. Um Tyrod fan thinks they can't get it done. Um, this is going to bother me because I feel like I'm almost got it in my head I can't quite get there I want to say it's a guard Um, he rotated a bit I have to look up his exact position but I'm confident that he played multiple he definitely did play tackle for the Bills. I do know that for a fact. Let's see what Pro Football Reference says. Not that it's accurate. So it has him as mainly a left tackle when he played for the Bills. 2011, 13 games, 7 starts. 2012, 12 games, 8 starts. 2014, must have been injured in 13, I'm guessing. 16 games, 0 starts. But not all of his starts were at left tackle, but he did play over at left tackle. Huh. Uh, yeah, no, I'm drawing a blank. It's all right. Uh, all right. Time is up. I have no funny hints, so we'll give the answer. Chris Hairston. Oh, Chris Hairston. Okay, he was a guy. Yeah, he was a bill, sure. He was, he was a guy. That is the best we can say about Hairston. All right. 2016, Buffalo Bills lineman Blank becomes U.S. citizen. Blank's family moved to the U.S. from from Cameroon when he was just four years old. He's been a permanent resident for some time, but in recent years, he decided to take the step to become an American citizen. Blank was among a group of 34 who completed the naturalization process in Buffalo on Thursday. I'm just glad I'm now part of the American process, Blank said. I'm American. I can vote. I can do things. I can be a part of the democracy and be a part of this great nation. I feel really blessed. Go Bills and Roll Tide. Mm. Oh, and and Roll Tide gives you the college pretty much. Yes. <laughs> Round two pick of the Bills in 2014, by the way. Does his name have an a begin with an N? No. Yeah, okay, never mind. I'm thinking of something else then. Never mind. <laughs> Three seasons I'm... with the Bills. He started a number of games for them. He ended up with the Broncos and started a game there, and he is now a proud member on the offensive line of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. All right, you did say as another lineman, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, all linemen. I was going to um, say Ed Wing until you said Cameroon, and then I was like, <laughs> yes, he was the first Chinese, Chinese American though, not have Chinese been born. Could have sought U.S. citizenship, so that wouldn't have been a bad, wouldn't have been a bad answer. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not coming up with uh, anything in the old noggin here. Um, yeah, I'm John Blank. 
All right, things are about to get better, though, I promise, after this one. All right, this was Cyrus Quanjo. Cyrus Quanjo. All right, 2011, our last lineman question. Well, not our last one, but the last one that we get to 2006. Uh, versatile blank provides Bill's O-line stability. It's hard to shuffle around, but he has a good job with it, and that's why he's so valuable, Fitzpatrick said. I'm sure he's going to do just fine there at center. In case you're wondering, he was mainly a left guard at that point. Man, we are really struggling with the linemen today, huh? Give uh, some uh, additional hints that he moved there because uh, Eric Wood was hurt. So, um, played a few games there. Round uh, two. Go ahead. Two pick, you said? Yep, round two pick by the Bills in 2009 out of Oregon State. Uh, Ten-season career, played 400, 143 games, started every single game in all four of his seasons with Buffalo, 16 games, 16 starts every year, then had four seasons with the Titans, excuse me, two seasons with the Titans, and then four with the Falcons. Oh, Andy Levitre. Andy Levitre. There we go. Hey -o. Too many hints, but it got us there. All right, we're good. All right, 2008. Bills lose another heartbreaker. Uh, that's timely. I remember this game well. Bills lost to the Browns 29 to 27. They have now lost four straight and are five and five on the season, which is last in the AFC East. Playoff chances took a major hit, blah, blah. This was the Monday nighter against the yes, Browns. Yes, it's Edwards, right. Yep. Um, so the question, Bills cornerback Blank also hurt his knee against the Browns. It's not clear how Blank was hurt, but it happened during the Browns' 12-play, 96-yard drive. It was capped by Joshua Cribb's two-yard TD run that put Cleveland ahead 13-0. Blank made a tackle during that drive, stopping Braylon Edwards on an 18-yard catch. You said it was a corner? Cornerback, yep. So it's not, not Dante Hittner. I'm going to uh, go with... 2008 is the year. Uh... Perennial favorite Ashton Yabodi. Uh, he was on the team, but not him. I'll give a, I'll, I'll gradually give a hint after a guess is made. Undrafted by the Bills in 2004 out of Tennessee. Largely known uh, for what he did to, at least to me, in another heartbreaking Monday night loss the previous season to the Cowboys, where the Cowboys were down two after scoring a touchdown. He was one on one against Terrell Owens of the Cowboys in the corner of the end zone and just made a fabulous play. And we were talking to my friend Aaron after the game, and he said he's the one guy that perfect coverage normally doesn't even matter against. And this corner gave the Bills perfect coverage and knocked the ball away. Uh, and then, of course, there was an onside kick and a field goal, and it was all for shit. But uh, played five seasons as a starter with the Saints right afterwards and won a Super Bowl there. Wow. Man. All right, we're, we're going to give the ultimate hint then. He has the same initials and same last name as the actress we often discuss as being the baseline attractiveness for a human being. Oh, man. Um, okay. Arrested Development. Yeah. God, red hair. God damn it. What's her, <laughs> what's her name? I, now, now I, like, if you'd ask me just who that was, all right, I'm, I'm going to Google her. <laughs> Wow. Um, wow. That was so long ago that we discussed that. Remember we used to God. she was, yeah. Yeah, because we used to use like a wins above replacement sort of system. 
Yeah. Um, Judy Greer. Mm-hmm. So it's Jinky Greer. Nick Greer. Jabar, Jabrari. Jabari, Jabari Greer. Greer. Frank was go. Frank was getting there. That's right. terrible. I'm so sorry <laughs> to our listeners. We're absolutely shit in the bed here. So <laughs> I tried to, you know, it's funny when I go through these, it's weird. Like I'm trying to pick out ones that are doable but not obvious and then sometimes they're too obscure so i might have erred on the side of too Don't obscure today except for the like, and then sometimes it's like nope not <laughs> even close not even a guess yeah all right well back to the offensive line here in 2006 bill's o-line crams for test and blank is promoted to starting center in promoting blank the bills passed over seventh year veteran Tutin reyes uh one of their off-season free agent signees there's a couple things coach Dick Duran said blank played well, pretty well in the game on Sunday at Indy. He's a bigger, more powerful man than Tootin. He doesn't have the experience, but we need to see him and evaluate him. We think he's playing pretty well. We don't think there's a big drop in terms of performance in the backup spot. We need a center guard, a guy that swings both. It was a round four pick by the bills out of Illinois in 2005. I liked your Dick Duran impression. By Thank the way. you. Uh, I haven't used, I haven't pulled out the Dick Duran impression ever. So all of this day in Bill's history is whenever there's a quote, he needs to sound like the, the person in question. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's hope Shaq isn't one of them. <laughs> Not quoted, thankfully, in this day in Bill's headlines. Uh, 2000, 2006, Illinois. yep, four seasons with the team he spent, played nearly every week, uh, but only a starter in really 2006 and 2008, where he was the starting center the, the whole year. It was 2005 out of Illinois. Yep. Oh, man. Cowboys rock a... all of 09. Um, I remember him for, in the 2008 wind game against the Patriots, the season finale, the Bills were driving down and were about to kick a field goal. And while the field goal team was running out there, he got in a scuffle with a Patriots player and couldn't get off field in time. They never were able to attempt the field goal. That's my most, most vivid memory of this guy. He is named for a street in Old Town Alexandria, plus uh, John Travolta's late wife, if that helps. Peyton, Columbus, King, <laughs> Queen, Princess, Duke. Duke okay, Williams? okay, one. It's Duke, 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 Preston. Duke Preston. All right. Oh, okay. Duke Kelly Preston. All right, I'm going to shorten this one because I've given way too many hints on, or, uh, on this one. I have way too many quotes from a guy we don't care about. Uh, but, okay, the headline in 2002 is Warfield wins verbal battle. Uh, Warfield was a defensive back for the Chiefs. After Blank caught a nine-yard pass, he and Warfield traded barbs. Blank was upset with Warfield and pushed him from behind. That resulted in a penalty, which played to Warfield's advantage. He actually shoved me just because I said a few words to him. Warfield said, if you can get inside someone's head, that's good. That's what you want to do. Just knowing him and how he reacts, uh, I knew he'd respond that way. I know how he plays his game. Not to take anything from him. The guy's a lot of talent. He's done a good job. But I've seen him make stupid plays when people start talking to him. I see him at the end of the game with no time left, just go up and hit a guy in the back of the head for no reason. All that stuff is uncalled for. I just knew if I could say something to get in his head, he would do something stupid, and that's what it was. So this was a Chiefs defensive backs criticism of a Bills player. Uh, the Bills lost 17 to 16 to the Chiefs. Not only did he goad him into a costly 15-yard penalty, uh, he also then intercepted a pass uh, that clinched the game that was attempted for this player when this player didn't fully run his pattern, even though Drew Bledsoe did take the blame after the game. 
Uh, so it's not molds. Not that molds. doesn't sound like sounds like something Eric would do. I don't think it's Peerless Price. Ah, but you would be wrong. Well, you would be right, actually. It is Peerless Price. I didn't realize that he was so despised by at least Eric Warfield of the Chiefs. I don't remember. I mean, I don't remember Peerless Price getting in people's business, but maybe I wasn't paying enough attention. Apparently that was a thing, or at least to to this guy it was. All right, I'm confident on this one. 1999, Blank has the O-line firing on all cylinders. There's no denying Blank is one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. Three straight Pro Bowl appearances have proven that. His importance to the Buffalo Bills may be greater than anyone knew. Uh, the running game produced only modest results in several games this season, but things have taken a dramatic turn the last couple of weeks. Buffalo now is the league's top rushing offense. After averaging more than 190 yards rushing the last two games, it's hardly a coincidence the running game surged when Blank returned from a hamstring injury. Reuben Brown. Reuben Brown. All right. Hey. All right. Last two are a little tougher, but we'll we'll see if we can get there. 96. Swarming defense sucks the air out of Bengals' pass game. Cincinnati Bengals figured to need some big pass plays if they were going to upset the Buffalo Bills at Rich Stadium on Sunday. Instead, QB Jeff Blake suffered through the worst game of his NFL career, and the Bengals' fleet receiving core was mostly invisible. Bills' defense had a season-high seven sacks and scored a touchdown to 31-17 victory. Free safety blank was in the right place at the right time on multiple occasions with two interceptions. First one was a superb play. He went down the right sideline. Deep down the right side with Darnay Scott and time to sleep perfectly. All season, they've been playing volleyball back there, hoping to get a pass interference or reception, Blank said. Jeff Burris did a great job. He was right there, and I went up and got it. Free safety. He was a 1992 round seven pick out of Eastern Washington, so he played a couple Super Bowls. Uh, in eight seasons with the Bills, he backed up Mark Kelso for a while before becoming the starting free safety for 72 games, so six full seasons. Played in 107 total games with the Bills before moving on to the Lions and then to uh, Merrill Lynch, where he became a financial advisor. Oh, well. Sorry, guys. My sinus infection is really picking up here, and I have no brain power for <laughs> this. So, Scott, it's all on you. Yeah, I will say, um, I will say, uh, 18th century Russian Tsarina Catherine the Great. Ah, mm. uh, yes. Uh, you know, you got one of the kind of initials because it starts with the the K. Uh, the answer is Kurt Scholz. Mm. Kurt Scholz. All right, and the last one. This guy was just an answer about four weeks ago, so let's hope we can come through. All right, 1991, Bills deny overlooking Miami test. Uh, overlooking Miami test. Um, our, this article is about a big upcoming Monday night game against Miami, which the Bills win. The Bills defense, which hasn't had much of a pass rush without injured defense, Van Bruce Smith doesn't need to be reminded of how dangerous Marino can be. They know giving him time to throw is a sure ticket to disaster. The last thing we want to hear, especially on a Monday night, is how bad Marino beat us up. Buffalo strong safety blank said. Hopefully we'll be in situations where we can play a lot of man-to-man coverage in a zone. He's going to put the ball in there wherever he wants to. Nate Odoms? He was a cornerback, but you're in the defensive back. Henry Jones? Uh, He was the strong safety that replaced this strong safety. I feel like this is exactly what I said four weeks ago. (laughs) It probably is. Learned nothing. And neither have I. Mark Kelso. <laughs> he's, up, up. he's the guy <laughs> who had the, uh, the, I got Bills both lo- the Bills logo shaved in his head. Yes. Um, 
There's oh, a yeah. terrible Bill Cosby movie in the 80s, uh, and this is kind of this guy's Ghost name. Dad. Was it Ghost Dad? Ghost Dad, yes. Bill Strong Safety Ghost Dad. Uh, and that's this day in Bill's head. Oh, no. <laughs> if you'd like to know the real answer, uh, do some freaking research. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, it's uh, the great Leonard Smith. Leonard Smith. Okay. And all right, we ended with a whimper. We started with a whimper, but in between there were some bangs. And that was this day in Bill's headlines for November 18th. No, there were no bangs. We went <laughs> We were awful. There was Andy Levetra, you know. Okay. But even that took like four four guesses. And... Justin yeah. took, took Frank 11 Alexandria Street names before we hit the <laughs> That was compelling. And I think what we should do now is definitely you know, force everyone to listen to our preview of a Chargers game that's two weeks away and we have no, uh, you know, no uh, betting odds for. <laughs> or we could say, you know, just point out the standings. I'm eight and one on the picks. Scott seven right. and two, Paul six and three. I picked a two point Arizona win, um, but just not 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 to not to say nothing about nothing, but. I, I certainly didn't think it was going to go like that, and I certainly didn't was not rooting your, for my score own. score indicates otherwise, Frank. It looks like it was exactly what you thought it was going to well, go like. Yes, but okay. Well, <laughs> um, if you'd like to tell me what you thought, look, I, I'm sorry. I'm it's an hour and twenty four. We've got two weeks off. <laughs> Do you want to just give me a Charger score, and then we won't really preview it? Look, the Chargers yeah. are awful. The Bills are good. The Bills are going to win. Uh, I'll say. I'm going to say 31. Buffalo uh, 28 to oh, Hold 14. on. No, no. You're, no, no. Paul, you get to pick Buffalo score. Okay. Scott, you get to pick the Charger score, and I'll pick who wins. Okay. Okay, All so right. Buffalo uh, is 28. Yep. Chargers get 21. Okay, and I, I say like the Bills. Yeah, and I'm I'm saying the Bills won, and that's why you guys went that way. Okay, good. So we're all picking the Bills over the Chargers, and we gave you one collective pick. Um, it will be nice to see Anthony Lynn and this this new quarterback they have. I think that'll be fun. But that's a question with for his another. terrible new haircut and his terrible new haircut. Um, if you want to MNY Bills on Twitter, B Bills MNY on Facebook, search Buffalo Bills. Maybe next year you'll find us. Uh. We will all likelihood not record next week unless something drastic happens. We will talk to you after the Chargers game. Until then, thank you so much for listening. Uh, have a nice Sunday without football, Bills football anyway. My name is Frank. Yeah. Paul. Good night, everyone. <laughs>